Hey, this is Stan Gibbons, the lead pastor of Northside Bible Church. I want to thank you for joining our podcast today. We hope this strengthens and inspires you. We want to encourage you in your relationship with Christ. If there's anything we can do, please reach out to us at northsidemobile.org or you can message us on Facebook and Twitter. Enjoy the sermon. So let me begin by saying uh, this, this morning, let me ask you, call out the name of something, the name of something that you uh, you really liked. If there's a, a name brand, that's what I'm looking for. If there's a name brand of something you like, um, and you would rec- you've recommended to us, you go, man, you need to have one of these, or you should have that. Call out a name brand you like. Ford. Amen. Ford. 371,000 miles on mine, so. Rocking hard. Served a bunch of y'all and me, huh? Reese's. There you go. Woo-hoo, that's a Hershey Hershey trademark. I am in your court, brother. So anytime you want to share. All right, somebody else. Tell me a name brand that you like. Say again. Tide. Tide. Tide's good. It doesn't irritate your skin. How about that? That's good. Somebody else. Give me a name brand. Nike. That's a big one. It's a big one. People like Nike. They love Nike. They don't like that other Under Armour, but they like the Nike. So what would you say, Miss Brenda? Best perfume you ever smelled. Uh, somebody should take a note of that. Uh, probably already knows it though, doesn't he? All right. Somebody else. Give me a name brand. Lay's potato chips. Yeah, Lay's. Whew. They have a lot of good stuff, don't they? Talking about y'all make me hungry. Somebody else. Little Debbie cakes. I have a I have a uh, secret relationship with Little Debbie. So I've had an affair with Little Debbie all my life. That's the truth. Me and Little Debbie visit each other a lot in on the road trips and in the in the tree stands and all that good stuff. So. Anything else? Blue pill, yeah. See, now y'all are getting going. Now you got you got the you got the system going now. You're talking, you're making each other hungry. Anything else? Dial soap. Yeah. You love dial? Taylor Josh says Taylor guitars and Apple computers as he played a Yamaha this morning and sits at Adele. <laughs> so <laughs> bless his heart. He's he's suffering as hard as he can today. But there there's something about this these brands that are important to us. We've got this relationship with them. Uh, Josh and I are doing a podcast to help other churches uh, that are in revitalization like us. And uh, we flipped the roles around a, few, a week or so ago. And when we did our podcast, Michael helps with it. And uh, and I asked Josh, because he was asking me, he said, Dad, we were going to talk to these churches about branding. I'm like, about what? I'm like, I went to Bible college, son. I, that word, that's what you do to cows. You brand cows. You don't. Branding, but there is there is an issue now because the the age of communication and because you have a cell phone and a Google, you can Google anything. That that everything has a, every brand has an image with it. There's something that that brand is associated with. Tide has one. Reese's for me has one. It's a, a larger waistline, and so same with Bluebell, right? But there's these there's these brands that you have a relationship with, and you like them for whatever reason. It's, it's best smelling you've ever smelled. That kind of thing. Right, so the church is supposed to have its own brand as well. And let me ask this, and by the way, Josh wrote a blog on that, so if you want to look up his blog sometime, we'd love for you to, to follow him on that. But um, what did Jesus say a disciple of his should be known for? Just say it out loud. You, you will know, they will know you are my disciples. Yeah, because you have love for one another. That's what Jesus said, John 13, by this will all men know you are my disciples, John 13, 34, if you have love for one another. The word he used for love there, is, by the way, is not brotherly love, right? It's not brotherly love, not hey, bud, right? 
It's not cousin love. Hey, just we're hanging out as a family and I'll take care of you when, I, when you need me kind of thing. No. He used the word for divine love. Agape. The people of the community are supposed to know us by our love, by our agape, exactly. Our love for one another that's divine love, that we have a, a supernatural love that we can have for each other. And that's what we're supposed to be known for. Make sense? So you should ask this, you should ask yourself this question. What am I known for at work? Around my peers at work, around my friends, around my family, around my community and my neighborhood. What do people know me for? What do they know about me? What do they know me for? And so I, I just asked a question in my notes the other day, just taking some notes. I said, the branding thing kind of got me started on. I said, well, how do you know someone's following Christ? How would you know somebody's following Christ? Well, obviously, if they have unconditional, sacrificial, divine love, that's indicator top of the rung number one, right? But I, I started thinking through the disciples who are following Christ and looking at marks for them. Let me give you three of them very quickly this morning. It's going to be shocking how good I can do this quickly. Because there's three other marks, I think, in the New Testament of a true follower. There's probably 30 other marks. But these stand out really strong to me when I started reading through it. Number one is a disciple, a true follower of Christ. It's a great test for you, by the way, today. You can test yourself and go, am I a true follower of Christ? They will drop everything to follow Christ. They will drop everything to follow Christ. Uh, Andrew, Peter, and John, Mark chapter 1, verse 16. If you're making notes, you can write this down. He was going along by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus, and he saw Simon and Andrew, the brothers of Simon, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Verse 18, love this verse. And immediately, immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat mending nets. By the way, and John, the beloved disciple, is really young this time. Most people believe he's probably 14 or 15. Uh, so James and John, his brother, who were also in the boat mending nets, immediately he called to them, and they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with hired servants and went away to follow him. Discipleship, tr true followers of Christ, leave something. They, they, they drop everything when it's time to follow. There's, there's this moment in your life where you say, something has to be left behind. Something has to go. And there's a whole theology of this in the New Testament. We, we're not to live to our past. Israel was not to, to wander back towards Egypt. Remember, they kept longing for the leeks and the onions, uh, the food of Egypt which was where their, their slavery was. It's interesting. They were longing for something that was going to enslave them, and God was calling them away from all that. So it's very interesting. But there's, a, there's this principle in the New Testament that takes it to that next level. Uh, Jesus says, Mark chapter 8, verse 34, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must... You might know the next two words. If you wish to come after me, he must deny himself deny himself. So there's this leaving something. Uh, we have to leave stuff behind sometimes. Sometimes we have to leave careers behind, opportunities. Sometimes we have to leave family behind, uh, physical possessions. I think of uh, many missionaries that I've known for years and uh, their, their need to get overseas and do their deal. And they've got some really nice stuff here and they just, you know, sell it. 
They sell all their nice furniture. They move to a, a, a place that doesn't have nice furniture. You know, and they buy this really cheap furniture and live with it the rest of their life. Um, because they needed to deny that from themselves. They needed to leave this and, and do that. Um, and I, I was thinking through myself, some of you heard me tell this, my story, but I was called or I was uh, planning on being an engineer. had a uh, great opportunity to be a uh, mechanical engineer and, and um, do, some, do some work with that and, and a really great path to that. And I had to leave that career because right here at this altar, when I was in uh, my first year of college, right out of high school, I knelt right here at this little knot because the Lord called me out of that pew to come up and give my life to Him in full-time service for Him. And it meant I had to leave something. And I had to leave something. So to become a deep, true follower, we have to leave some stuff behind. Uh, and I'm just asking you to think about, you know, what are you willing to let go of? What do you maybe need to let go of in your life now uh, that you aren't, um, you know, interested in letting go of? I'll tell you one thing, and uh, Robert's not here to rag on me. Um, Kathy would remember. Al would remember, because um, I was a boy in this church. I was a high schooler, uh, actually sixth grade and up uh, in this church. And uh, Miss Mabel would remember, but I used to drive a Ford, I know, a Mustang when I was in high school, and it was the souped up version. <laughs> had the stripes down the hood and, and the stripes on the side and had a really cool exhaust system and really great wheels and tires. And... Uh, and you know what I had to do eventually to follow Christ? I let go of all that. I loved, I loved that car. I mean, I had a wrong kind of love for that car. I had a way higher in my life than it should be. So when it got wrecked, um, it, it about destroyed me when it got wrecked. But I, ha I had to let go of it. And over the years, the Lord's asked me multiple times to continue to leave it and let go of it. You know, as it rusts in Darlene's backyard now. So... <clears throat> breaks my heart <laughs> but you know it's not it's not as important as what I'm doing here it's not as important as my calling and I can't make it that important so first of all we have to leave some stuff behind right we have to drop everything to follow Christ secondly disciples have to serve the Lord they, they come alongside him to serve him and I'd love for you to turn with me to Luke chapter 8 verse 1 because we're going to talk about Mary Magdalene for the rest of the day uh, for the next 10 minutes, we're going to talk about Mary Magdalene. Luke chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Soon afterwards, Jesus, he began going around from one city and village to another, proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. The twelve, be the men, were with him. Look at this, verse 2. And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sickness. Jesus had a couple of different discipleship groups. One was male and one was female. These, these women cared for Jesus in his journeys, and they traveled with him. Look what it says about Mary. Uh, Mary, who was called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who were contributing to their support out of their private means. So here's this group of women that are identified in this passage and disciples, the men, who are traveling with Jesus. And what are they doing? They're contributing to the work of Jesus out of their private means. And to do that, they're traveling with him. They're serving him. They're, they're preparing meals. They're taking care of him. And so they have this surrendered life. They've kind of given their life up and said, you know what? I'm going to drop everything, and I'm going to serve. I'm going to drop everything, 
and I'm going to serve. So it's not just important that you leave stuff behind. It's important what you do, what you fill that back up with. And it's to serve others, to serve the ministry of Christ, the work of Christ. Um, and, and I would encourage you, by the way, if you don't have a place to serve, if you can't uh, find a way to do something that's of the Lord, you know, seek, seek some guidance from the leaders here at the church and see how you can serve your, a surrendered life unto Him because true followers of Christ don't sit and watch. They serve. They don't observe from a distance. They don't just... Uh, it, it, you're, <laughs> the analogy's been used a whole bunch. There was a, a book. Was it Radical? The book that was written? No, uh, Not a Fan. Uh, Francis Chan wrote a book a while back called Not a Fan. And it's literally... As a Christian who goes to church, that's the kind of Christian you're supposed to be who goes to church, you're not supposed to be in a bleacher. The, the church people are on the field. You're not watching something happen. You're helping it happen. You're a, you're a ball player. You're, you're dressed in the jersey. You've got the, the instructions from the coach, and you know what you're supposed to be doing. You don't go to church like you're going to a ball game and sit in the stands. You actually get plugged in and involved. That's what it means uh, to be a, a true follower of Christ. You, you drop everything and you serve. You serve well and you try to give your all to the things that God calls you to serve in. There's a lot of different ways to serve. You know, For me, uh, it's leading and teaching. That's part of what I have to do is lead and teach. And, and I've fallen into that. It's not, by the way, I'm not, not very comfortable being in front of people. <laughs> I'd rather be sitting and watching. The Lord empowered me with His spiritual gift to do that, so I have to step up and do that every week. Really not comfortable to sing for me because I'm afraid I'm going to mess up and the group will tell you, well, yes, you are, because you do it every week. Um, <laughs> the singers will tell you that. And then i got to sing in front of a bunch of sheriffs today who are you know, doing this. I'm like, well, that, was kind of, that felt good, Lord. You know? But I was singing unto Him. I'm like, I'm not here for them. I'm here for you. So you know, maybe they'll get blessed by some of the words of these songs. We sang some some neat songs with some great truth in them. So, <clears throat> but the truth is, uh, we are to be serving the Lord and surrendering ourselves. And then, lastly, if you if you isolate Mary Magdalene out of this text, go to a later passage. It's one of my favorite stories about her, and you'll see if you're a true follower of Christ, you just stick it out and stay. You stay. And this, y'all have heard me teaching on this a bunch about perseverance. Uh, I've had a number of friends and a number of uh, people that I love uh, kind of walk away from their hard faith, from true faith, from, from uh, obeying the Scriptures fully. Uh, but Mary Magdalene understood this probably at a level that many of us don't get. In pro uh, John chapter 20, I'm going to start reading in verse 11. And I, wanna, I want you to tell you wh what happens at the beginning of this chapter. Jesus is in a tomb. <clears throat> he has been brutally beaten, hung on a cross, and has had a horrible six-hour death, and he is in a in very bad shape. Um, he has died with his physical body uh, just being racked with pain, and he, he gave up the ghost. He, he chose his time of death. They've, they've taken him off the cross. They put him on the ground. They wrapped him very quickly for burial because it was very late in the evening. They rush him into uh, Joseph Arimathea, loans him the tomb. He only needs to borrow it because he's not going to use it very long. <laughs> so it's a borrowed tomb. I like that. Um, you, you don't need to borrow. You don't need to borrow somebody's tomb. You're gonna have to buy one, by the way. You need to buy a burial place. Um, but Jesus just had to borrow one. <laughs> so, so they take him to this burial place, and uh, and they put him in the put him in the in the tomb, and they, you know, the Romans put the the stone in front of him and all that good stuff. 
And Mary is heartbroken. Mary Magdalene is heartbroken that he was not properly anointed for burial. We didn't have time to finish it. So here's what she does. On that third day, she shows up. It actually says John 20, verse 1, early in the verse. She, she shows up before daylight while it's still dark. You're not allowed to go. A Jewish person is not allowed to walk into a graveyard at nighttime. The sun has to peak the horizon. Do you know what she's doing with her collection of, of oils? You know what she's doing? She's waiting. She's like, the second I can go see him again, I'm going to go finish that burial for him. That's very cool, by the way. She is committed to him, even though he is dead. And she shows up in the tombs. You know, the stone's been rolled away, and the guards are all disoriented, and there's angels there. And she gets all freaked out by that. In verse 20, chapter 20, verse 11, after she goes against Peter and John, and they run and see that it's, you know, his clothes are in there, but he's not there. All that stuff. Here's what happens, verse 11. But Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. Greek word there is bitterly sobbing. Ladies, I want you to just think about when you've bitterly sobbed and how horrible that is. Some of us as men, I, I bitterly sob every once in a while. And uh, you don't want anybody to see you. So not only is her culture going to cover her face, she's got her face off. She's bitterly sobbing. So she wept. She stooped and looked into the tomb again. She's just looking in. She saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus has been lying. Anybody know why they're one at the head and one at the feet? Told you this before. I love how y'all remember things. It's the Ark of the Covenant. It's the mercy seat. On the mercy seat, you have an angel here and an angel here on the top of the Ark, right? And in between there is this sprinkled dried blood because the priests go in once a year and put the blood there. So here's an angel. She peeks in and looks. Here's an angel at his head and at his feet right? Uh, these are angels. I know it doesn't look like angels, but trust me, they're angels, right? So he, here are the angels, and what's in between? The cloth and his blood that's bled out on that tabletop. That's the real ark, by the way. That's the, if, if Indiana Jones knew what to do, he'd go get that thing, So, right? But that's the real deal. So here's these two angels, and they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She says, because they've taken away my Lord and I do not know where they've laid him. When she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. And this is a passage where people think Mary's lost her ever-loving mind. She's just, you know, cuckoo bird. But I think it's the, one of the richest moments of faith in all New Testament. Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I'll take him away. So Mary, this, let, me, let me get you to highlight something. When they said, why are you weeping? She said, because they've taken away, anybody remember the word? They've taken away my Lord. Where does she think he is? He's dead. She remembered burying him. And she's coming to see him in his grave and she's still calling him because she stays. She's sticking to this, man. I had faith in him when he was alive. I got faith in him when he's down. It's okay. You know, God's God, and I have faith, and my faith stays, and it sticks, and it holds. And it's okay if I have to come anoint him for burial on the third day of his burial. That's okay. Because she's telling that angel, hey, that's my Lord. He's my master. He is the, he's the one I'm going to follow. He released all this sin from me, 
and I will never stop following him. Even if he's laying dead in here, I'm still following him. And where'd she show up the first morning she could get back to him? Right there at the crack of daylight. Isn't that awesome? She has this faith that says, I'm staying, I'm sticking, and I'm staying. I'm encouraging you to have that kind of faith. No matter what the trial, no matter how gloomy things look, no matter how bad something looks or a culture looks or something's going wrong with whatever. But then she's having this conversation with who she's supposed to be, the gardener, and she probably really hasn't taken a good look because her face is all swollen from crying so hard. She's all freaked out by what's happening, and she just wants Jesus' body back. She's trying to get the body and she actually says to the gardener, if you took him away, tell me where you've laid him. I'll go get him. Well, she can't carry a human body. But you know what? She's determined. It's like, you just tell me where. I'll go. He's mine. I have this relationship with him. And I am not leaving until I get to figure this out. I love this scene. And so supposing him to be the gardener. Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him. And I'll take him away. And I think her face is turned right away from that guard. She's not trying to look him in the face. She's so so teared up and broken. And Jesus said to her, one word, one word. Miriam, in the Greek, in the Hebrew, be, or in the original, it would be Miriam. And she heard her name in his voice. See, she had a relationship with him. And, and I love, I love how Jesus does that. He, she's all freaked out, turned away. I don't know what's happening. Tell me where you've taken him. He just goes, Mary. Man, she hears that voice. She goes, I know that voice. Now, this is the part where she won't let go. <laughs> she turns around and clings to him. In the Greek, it's literally cling, crush him. She turned and said in Hebrew, teacher, Rabboni, and Jesus says to her, stop clinging to me. You know, it's like, you're crushing me. Stop. You have to go. We've got stuff to do. And he sends her out to serve. What has she done all her life? Served him. For, for uh, she, He says, stop holding on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. You go to my brethren and say to them, I, was, I ascend to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Mary gets to take the message back. First one to see him, by the way. Take the message back. And I'm telling you, it's because she's willing to stick it out and stay. True followers of Christ drop everything when they get the call to follow Christ. They drop everything. They choose a life of servitude. I'm going to serve, I'm going to serve, I'm going to serve. Because that's actually agape, right? We said, we said the brand that Northside should have is, is love. By this lawmen know that you're my disciples if you have love for the Lord, love, love for God, right? And love for one another. So, so you have that responsibility to serve, but then you also got to stick it out. Even when it's hard, even when it looks like everything went way wrong. They crucified the one who we thought was the Messiah. They put him in a tomb. That's okay. I'm going to go anoint him. He's my Lord. I know he's the Lord. He delivered me from a ton of stuff. So you can talk bad about him. By the way, it's real trendy today uh, for middle age, younger, I guess it's older millennials. I can't figure the age bracket out yet on it. But it's real trendy for people who once were of the faith to renounce their faith on social media and get all this, wow, that took a lot of courage. Took a lot of courage for you to renounce your faith and walk away. No, it doesn't. That's cowardice, by the way. What takes courage is for us who love the Lord to say, I don't care how bad the culture thinks of me. I don't care what you think. 
I don't care how stupid you think I am for following God. I'm sticking to it. And I'm staying with him because of what he's done for me. He saved me from my sins. Right? So the, uh, what was the one I was telling you about, Josh? The, uh, there's, a, there's a couple of the YouTube guys that are real famous. Um, Rhett and Link is their name. Rhett and Link, they renounced their faith this last week. They were youth pastors that started that whole thing. And then they just went off silly and had fun with it. Uh, fam they're famous on YouTube. I know some of y'all have no idea what that means. Um, but the younger ones get it. <laughs> right? They were real famous on YouTube. And this last week... They've announced Hollywood. They've gotten all caught up in Hollywood. We're announcing our faith. We're walking away. I'm like, that's not smart. It's actually stupid. You know, the, the issue is to stay, stick to it. That's what I love about Mary. She stayed with him. She trusted him as Lord, even when it looked like it wasn't going to work. And she stayed with him. And then when he gets her attention and calls her name, he puts her right back into serving. He's going, here's what we do. You go tell them all. Things are going to change. And man, you talk about a woman that was seriously on fire for God. It had been Mary Magdalene, right? I, I want to encourage you guys to be people of faith. And I want to ask you to evaluate yourself. Um, what, are you, what are you holding on to that you might need to let go of? What are you not willing to let go of to deny yourself so that you can be a better follower of Christ? Just think about that. Um, I want you to think about how you can better serve because true followers of Christ serve with the God they love. How can you better serve this, this community, um, the people in your neighborhood? How can you better serve them? And what's going to help you stick to it? I'll tell you one thing that will help you stick to it. you got to be around people that are committed to sticking to it. Okay, you got to have friends that go, and you just, if I'm having a hard time, I need to tell you I'm having a hard time. you got to talk me right back into staying. Stick to it. Don't give up on my faith life. Stick to it. Amen?